Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, this will be our final show for a while. The Packers offseason program has wrapped up. In fact, it's wrapping up today. As we are taping the show, the team is on a team-building activity after two days of minicamp practices. We will have some photos and potentially some video of that team activity on Packers.com later on, so be sure to check that out. But with the off-season program wrapping up, training camp is roughly six weeks away. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not counting down the days yet, yeah, but yeah I, think I, it's, yeah, sure. I think it's six weeks away. Matt LaFleur kind of wrap things up with his uh, final comments to the media after Wednesday's practice. And I wrote a story about this on the website, kind of characterizing it as he's pleased with how the offseason program has gone. But like any coach, he's not satisfied. Right. Um, implementing a new offensive system and everything that goes into that, you're not going to get everything done that you need to in one off-season program with the limitations you have with the CBA and all of that. But he's fired up and eager and ready to get these guys back for training camp. They need their break, so do the coaches. But uh, but there's going to be a lot of excitement here when training camp rolls around. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I, I really liked uh, this last day of practice and availability, uh, just hearing some of the guys and obviously also Matt LaFleur discussing uh, sort of their impressions of that nine-week, ten-week program with the extra week this year with the new coach uh, and, and where they are coming out of it. Uh, I think everyone was pretty much in agreement, and you touched on it as well, the fact that the defense is ahead of the offense at this point. Certainly saw it in the two-minute drills, Yeah, the defense sure. definitely had some good yeah. performances there. But to be quite honest with you, I really liked what Brian Belaga said standing by his locker on Wednesday, saying that, yeah, there's a little bit of talking, you know, and there'll be some <laughs> time for the offense to come back. But to be quite honest with you, he was actually kind of pleased to see the defense playing as well as it is right now and coming together the way it is because – yeah, the offense wants to win these drills. There's no doubt about it. And if they can win every single one of them in training camp, they'll have smiles on their faces. But the fact that the defense has appeared to have taken a step forward this offseason with some of the new additions, with some of the young players taking that next step, and also Mike Pettin just having an extra offseason to implement his program, whereas Matt LaFleur is in his first offseason trying to get his offense in, This is that's why Mike Pettin came back. It's why they made the decisions they did to put themselves in this spot. That being said, the Packers offense knows it has work to do. Matt LaFleur said it wasn't as crisp as he wants it to be yet, but they're going to have a chance now coming back in training camp when they start to put some pads on to really get going on this thing. Yeah, I think when you hear Matt LaFleur say things like the defense is ahead of the offense, there's a little bit of sloppiness and some things we need to clean up, look a little crisper, as he said. Not surprising observations at all, given the circumstances here. And I think, you know, as you and I have talked to a lot of defensive players around the locker room, they were all saying, yeah, like last year at this time, we were just trying to make sure we're lined up in the right place and we know what to do. And we're processing a lot more of the details of Mike Pettin's scheme now in year two. Well, the offense now is where the defense was a year ago, and they're piecing things together. Training camp obviously will be huge, and part of uh, training camp too is going to be two. Matt Lafleur confirmed there will be two joint practices here in Green Bay with the Houston Texans leading up to the preseason opener. So those two joint practices will be between family night and the opening preseason game. That's going to be an interesting atmosphere, not only from the standpoint of the competition amongst the players, and when you have the Packers offense 
working against the Texans' defense and vice versa. But that could be a big evaluation tool as well because then the practice film includes stuff against an actual opponent, not just stuff against your own teammates. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you this. Now, 2009, was the last, Was that the last time they actually brought in another opponent? Was that when they played – or they went against Buffalo before 2005. Oh, okay. There wasn't a family night one in there too? That they no, well, buff- Buffalo was the was That's part of family night, okay. yeah. So that would have yeah. preceded you yeah. uh, in your time here. That was, that was the year before I got here. I actually okay. remember taking my kids to that family night with the Buffalo Bills at Lambeau Field. Oh, you did? Okay, because yeah. what my question was going to be is someone asked this in Insider Inbox, and it got me thinking, like – they wouldn't all be on Ray Nitschke. I'm guessing they're either going to have to use Clark Hinkle as well and the Don Hudson. Or maybe or, the Hudson Center, or you yeah. Or have some people in the Hudson. Because you have 180 players. You and I see it, Mike. Uh, when you have 90 on there, when you have 90 on Ray Nitschke for training camp, that, that's a pretty cluttered field to begin with. Yeah. So uh, I'm, that, the logistics of it, I'm going to be fascinated to watch. But as Matt LaFleur said, and he said it going back to when, we were, when I was talking with him at the NFL owners' meetings, this is a really unique opportunity, and he's seen it before. He's been involved with teams that bring in opponents um, that that take on uh, other guy, you know, teams in practice. There's just a different level that guys get to when it isn't a, a friendly face, so to speak. So, yeah, and the phrase he used I thought was interesting. He called it competitive spirit. Yeah. And there definitely is a, another notch to the level of competition. It's still not a game. It's still not even to the level of a preseason game per se. But it's still different than lining up in a practice across from your teammate. It is going to be fun too, because in you know training camp preseason can get kind of monotonous, <laughs> uh, just sort of the same sort of routine every year. I remember some off seasons I got excited when I saw, oh cool, there's going to be some night practices, something to mix it up a little bit. The fact that you're going to have this thing going on against the Texans in the first preseason game, the fact that Winnipeg is going to be around the corner right after that. It's going to be a lot different. And Matt LaFleur also mentioned in that same thing that they're still exploring the options of potentially having more night practices considering they will open up against the Chicago Bears. All those things are on the table. But I think more than anything, uh, the fact of being able to start to condition this football team for what it's going to expect, offense, defense, and special teams – this process, the offseason program, is important. It's getting the installs in. It's making sure guys know what's going to be asked of them. Once training ha- camp hits, you're trying to hit the ground running. you got to make every single one of those practices count. Yeah, no question about it. Well, Wes, the powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com Packers, Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, Wes, when we come back in a few weeks for training camp, we're going to be talking about a lot of position battles, a lot of roster spot battles and whatnot. One I want to touch on here before we sign off for a while is at the wide receiver position. I think this is going to be extremely interesting because, and again, as we've talked about all along, you take everything in OTAs with a little bit of a grain of salt because nobody's put on pads. Everybody's just in shorts and helmets. But based on what we've seen, I think there's a couple things we can fairly confidently say heading into training camp. One the number two job is shaping up as, behind Devontae Adams, I'm saying, is shaping up as a potentially very interesting competition between Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. 
based on the reps that we saw, the way they were being divvied up during OTAs and minicamp. But the other thing is after that, it's not just about the draft picks from last year, and I'm talking about EQ St. Brown and Jamon Moore. Eyes will certainly be on them, no question about it. But Trevor Davis and Jake Kumaro, they made a little bit of a statement here over the last few weeks in terms of where they are in the mix at this receiver position and, and in this competition. Um, and, uh, boy, I, I'm really, really interested to see just how this shakes out uh, through the month of August. Yeah, that statement is we're still here. And they aren't just here to make a roster spot. They're here to make a run at playing time in this offense. Yeah. There's a couple things I want to touch on here because uh, you brought up some excellent points. The first one being is that the offseason program, you're right, you take everything with a grain of salt. But at the same time, we've covered enough of these things that you can also tell when guys can't play, yep. when guys just aren't going to work, they aren't going to fit in. The thing I really like about this receiving core is the same reason why the Green Bay Packers didn't go out and find another veteran receiver to bring in after Randall Cobb departed. You want to let these guys spread their wings, and I thought there was a lot of them that did so this offseason. Well, and the Packers didn't draft a receiver either. Exactly. They're not only not bringing in another veteran, but they used their draft picks in other places. So starting off with what you said with Trevor Davis and Jake Kumaro, first off with Kumaro, he has, I, I think, one of the greatest compliments you could ever give a receiver is the one that Aaron Rodgers gave to him this past week in saying that he does all the little things right the way he practices. Now, that isn't a statement that Rodgers gave for the first time. He's given that a few times, even before I want to say uh, Kumaro was even activated to the roster last year when he was on injured reserve. He has been incredibly complimentary of how he carries himself, and to some extent you expect that from him, Kumaro that is. He is a veteran. He is 26, 27 years old. I think he's the second oldest or maybe even the oldest receiver on this roster. You want to see him have that mentality. But it's also telling those young guys on the roster, the draft picks, the guys that maybe were a little bit more heralded a year ago, of where the bar is. He set that really nicely. And then from Trevor Davis's perspective, Matt LaFleur hit it right on the head when he stepped to the, the group and was talking to uh, the, the media after practice, I believe, on Tuesday. Trevor Davis is sort of the forgotten man in this equation, but mm -hmm. if you've watched these practices, and I know there's three of them available to the public and not everybody can get to them, but Trevor Davis looks good, and he looks like he's put the hamstring injury behind him. He looks like a guy who's going into his fourth NFL season, and quite honestly, Mike, with his speed, there's some people asking in the inbox, when you pair him with a, an MVS, those type of plays, this receiving core looks different than it did three, four years ago. There's a different caliber of athlete right now, and that's yep. saying something because the Packers had some good ones. So watching Davis, watching MVS, watching Kumar, watching all these guys sort of, as I said, spread their wings a little bit, it just tells you, that, in my opinion, the Packers made the right move investing in the young guys on this roster and not going out and finding a veteran that might just end up log jamming that whole depth chart. Yeah, and what I was reminded of in watching Trevor Davis in the handful of practices we got to see over the last month is that when this guy is healthy, he's fast. He I mean, you, you could see the raw speed that he has out there. And you mentioned the different types of athletes now that the Packers have at wide receiver. Obviously, there's a lot of unproven ability. You know, a couple of those guys, MVS and EQ, they only have their rookie seasons under their belt. You know, a handful of catches, so to speak, relative to what a guy like Devontae Adams has accomplished. But when you're talking about the different skill sets, the different levels of athleticism that these guys have, it does give the entire receiver group a different feel. And Rodgers made the comment also at his locker 
with regards to Valdez Scantling and the progress that he is making from year one to year two, and it's partly why I say, based on the reps that we saw, it's looking like it'll be a, a neck and neck type of race between Valdez Scantling and Allison for the number two job when the offense is in a two receiver set. But Rogers said that MVS is starting to play more to his timed speed. This is a guy who ran a 4.37 or a 4.3840 in the combine coming out in the draft, and the Packers drafted him in the fifth round, and we've seen that speed on display. And Rodgers, from the quarterback position, is starting to see in the live action, in the 11-on-11 stuff, he's playing more to that timed speed. And sometimes it can take guys a while to get there. Some guys never necessarily get there. They're always just a a speed burner, but then, you know, when they have to make the decisions and, and make adjustments on the fly, they never quite play that fast. And for Rodgers to say that about MVS, I thought, was really interesting because to me then that, that makes him uh, a top, top candidate to watch here during training camp when we get to see a lot more 11-on-11 and, and full-speed work. You know, I was actually sitting by my desk after, uh, you know, practice and everything got done, locker room got done on Wednesday, and I was thinking about this a little bit with Valdez Scantling. Aaron Rodgers has had a lot of talented receivers. Jordy Nelson's future Packers Hall of Famer, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb, James Jones, the list goes on and on and on. To me, though, he's never had a 4-3-4-4 type guy. Uh, you know, Cobb was really good in short area quickness. Those other guys really mastered their footwork. I'm just really intrigued that if, if MVS can put his whole game together, if he can get on that quote-unquote same page that we talk about time and time again, yeah. he adds a level to this offense that I don't think we've quite seen before during the Aaron Rodgers era. Uh, and then again, you, you factor in the, the, the Trevor Davises, the Devontae Adams, the, all these other guys with these different skill sets. There isn't one of the same player on that depth chart right now. So... When you look at MVS and the way he's positioned himself, and I, I think he has right now, I'm not going to you know, anoint him as a starter, but I think he's established himself as one of those leading guys that will be going out with the ones when we get back on July 25th or 26th, whatever mm-hmm. it is. The fact that he took it as seriously as he did this offseason, remember this is a guy that last year was drawing the playbook up over and over again, doing everything he could to get everything down. As that game starts to slow down and his speed starts to catch up, that's a really dangerous combination. Yeah, and he had an interesting comment, too, when I was at his locker after Wednesday's practice, and I asked him about learning an NFL playbook for the second time, and is that any different, you know, as opposed to learning an NFL playbook as a rookie? And you know how he is. He just kind of shrugged and and smiled and laughed it off and he's like I've been learning a new offense every year for every year that I can remember going yeah. back to now this is a player who transferred in college and yeah. played for a number of different offense coordinators and coaching staffs and everything like that so this whole thing about learning a new system it's nothing new to him he has his his own system like you say of kind of drawing the plays yeah. himself to help commit him to memory and and stuff like that and just getting back for a minute to Geronimo Allison as well in this mix Devonte Adams had an interesting comment in that um, he really sees Allison. Now, Devontae Adams is not the wide receivers coach, and he's not the offensive coordinator or head coach, but he really likes what he sees from Geronimo Allison in the slot when they're in yeah. the three-receiver set. Just uh, 
his experience. And if there's one thing we always heard about Allison before he got hurt last year from Coach Mike McCarthy and the guys on his staff was toughness when it comes to Geronimo Allison. And that seems to be at least a piece of what the Packers maybe are looking for at that slot position. Absolutely. And I, I think the more that the offseason program went on, I, I think at the beginning of the offseason, I wasn't quite sure how that position was going to settle out. It does seem like that is where Allison is sort of settling in. Now, that being said, as Larry McCarron pointed out on one of the three things that we did after a practice this week, Packers are using a lot more bunch formations. They're, they're, they're doing more to mix and match their personnel. We saw plenty of Devontae Adams lining up inside. So there's going to be a lot of positional flexibility there. Yeah, no question. They're not, the reason they didn't go and get a 5'10 slot receiver is because I don't think there's really going to just be one slot receiver in this offense. Yeah, and we've talked about that before as well. But that being said, I think Geronimo Allison looks natural. Uh, inside and I think it's going to be intriguing to watch how he further further develops in that role and talking to him after practice I believe on Tuesday too this guy just wants to be healthy he just wants to be able to go out there he felt like he was on the right trajectory he didn't care what the stats were last year he didn't care that he was on pace for a thousand yards he just liked the way he was playing and how he felt in the offense if he can come back now and pick up where he left off there again this Packers offense is going to be positioned really well. Yeah, well, to touch on the defense here quickly, Wes, before we go, I don't know about you, but if there were two guys defensively that I probably had my eye on more than anybody else, it was those two first-round draft picks, yeah. Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage. You have to like what you see out of Rashawn Gary just in terms of the athleticism. The, the guy can run. I know they're not necessarily going to ask him to drop back into coverage a lot, but from an athletic standpoint, he's certainly capable of doing that. And uh, then with regard to Darnell Savage, the number 21 overall pick the Packers traded up for the safety out of Maryland, Devontae Adams made it pretty clear at his locker. And, you know, I I take the comments from the players in the locker room pretty seriously because they know when they say things about their teammates that it's going to get some traction and right. it can potentially put pressure on guys, especially young guys. Devontae Adams made no bones about it. He said Darnell Savage is going to be that guy. That guy. He's, that, you know, no. the expectations here for Savage are high. That's been evident from the very beginning. They slotted him in there as a starter in this defense from day one from the day he first put on that number 26 jersey, but he has not disappointed so far. His athleticism has been on display, and uh, when the pads go on, he gets in those preseason games, and I, I'm I'm really interested to watch him from above, like our view yeah. from the press box where during the preseason games we get to see how the secondary is lined up and the way those guys move. I'm going to take a, at least a few series in the preseason and just watch how he plays and how he moves in the back end. And boy, can that guy really cover some ground yeah. too, uh, from where he can get to point A to point B and his acceleration. To be quite honest with you, not to compare a safety to an outside linebacker, but that was the number one thing that stood out to me with both Gary and Savage this offseason, how explosive they are. I don't care about the 40s, although both of them have impressive 40s. Yep. But whatever their 10-yard splits must be, must be pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, from Savage's perspective, you like what you're seeing there because, quite honestly, that's a position where the Packers don't have a lot of depth right now. Uh, with Josh uh, Jones first being here in the minicamp and then obviously not practicing, uh, you have Raven Green, but Raven Green looks like he could potentially be a, a dime player right now with the way that things are situated. Natrell Jamerson, the, the guy that was with uh, Wisconsin previously in with the Houston Texans, looks like he's transitioning more to a safety role. So yep. they there isn't like there's a direct co competition right now for Savage to be with the ones, but I like what he's done since he's gotten there. 
And then as far as Rashawn Gary, Mike, and I, I am not one for hyperbole, you know that. But that he is about as impressive as a rookie as I've seen come in here. Now, I don't know how he is doing with the playbook. I don't know how he's going to do with zone dropping. I don't know if he's going to be able to master the outside linebacker position this offseason and this summer. But athletically, he comes as advertised. Yeah, no question about and it. His ability. Now, we're going to have to see. A lot of times there's no pads. So it is just, hey, how quickly can you get around the tackle? He is giving David Bakhtiari a run for his money. He's given Alex Light a run for his money. This guy needs to be able to to harness those skills to be an every-down player because there's always going to be a counterpunch. But in terms of looking for a first-round pick, a 12th overall pick, to come into an off-season program and look like the number 12th overall pick, I really thought Rashawn Gary did that. Yeah, and the other thing I will say about this defense, too, because we weren't sure all the talk about Petten in year two and all the progress that can be made. And the guys who were here last year are definitely feeling better about the Petten system and where they fit. But you're talking about adding Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Adrian Amos all into the starting lineup in this defense, plus adding in a couple of rookie draft picks into significant roles. I don't know about you, Wes, but from what I've heard, it doesn't sound to me like Petten held anything back no. in terms of trying to work these guys in. He's like, Especially with the veteran free agent signings, it's like, hey, these guys have played in the NFL. They've all played in the league for four years. Um, and... There's no need to hold anything back. Let's give it to him. Let's uh, you know, let's pound it into him and let him learn it as quickly as possible. And it seems that the progress that Petten wanted to make with this defense is being made, even though he did have to incorporate a bunch of new players. Well, the thing that's nice too is with the Smiths, Preston Smith. I expected him to have a really seamless transition, just based on what he did in Washington and how how well rounded his skill set is for that position in the three four defense. I expected that to go well. In Zadarius, I mean, the, the thing that's going to be really fun to watch with him is just how he marries his natural pass rushing instincts and his his versatility into Mike Pettin's scheme. I think as the season plays out, if he stays healthy, that's going to be the number one telltale sign of the success with that pass rush. If he can pick up where he left off in Baltimore and Pettin's scheme, it's going to be really good for that up front for the Packers. Yeah, maybe one of my favorite comments of the entire offseason was Mike Pettin at the podium talking about Zadarius Smith and all of the different responsibilities of yeah. an outside linebacker. And he said, well, Zadarius is getting paid to go that way, that way. not that way. <laughs> so all the stuff about pass coverage for outside linebackers, not going to be high on the priority list for Zadarius Smith. Just a, um, a very funny comment from a from Mike Pettin, who is is always entertaining, I think, at the podium. I liken it to a pitcher, Michael. I mean, obviously, you need to have your change-ups. You need to have your curveballs. But if a guy throws 98 miles an hour, you want the guy throwing 98 miles <laughs> yep. an hour. And Zardarius Smith throws 98 miles an hour. Yeah, he's a pass rusher, no doubt about it. With that, we are going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. We'll have a lot of player features and whatnot between now and the start of training camp. Follow us, subscribe to us on iTunes and other podcast services. Like us if you don't mind. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you for training camp.